0: If you're basing what you do in life on other people's opinion of you, you will never actually be fulfilled.
1: Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. This is Andrew Stotts of A-Stotts Academy, where we apply finance principles for people facing four different challenges. Investors who want to manage their stock portfolio, aspiring professionals who want to learn how to value any company in the world, business leaders who want to make their companies financially world-class, and even beginners who just want to learn how to implement a simple lifetime investment plan. Join the academy at myworstinvestmentever.com academy and get free access to the short course I created called Six Ways to Lose Your Money and Six Strategies to Win. That course comes from what I've learned from all these podcast interviews. And now, on with the show. Again, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew And I'm here with featured guests, Nathaniel Bibby. Nathaniel, are you ready to rock?
0: Ready as ever. Born ready.
1: Born ready. I have no doubt. I've just been watching your YouTube channel, and I've been pretty excited by just listening to you talk about some of your accomplishments, which, you know, I was watching this one where you were on one of the TV shows, Ticker TV Australia. And the lady was like, it's just amazing to think that you've won this, you know, designation and all that. And it was just pretty exciting. So (laughs) let me, yeah, let me tell the audience a bit about you. Nathaniel Bibby ranks number one in the Asia Pacific region on the Social Media Marketing Institute's top LinkedIn Marketers List, anyone best use of LinkedIn at the Social Media Marketing Awards 2019. He is a two-time finalist for the 2020 Social Media Marketing Awards for his campaigns, Monday Night Live and LinkedIn versus Instagram. Bibby Consulting Group has generated over 400 million in dollars in sales through LinkedIn Lead Generation. Nathaniel, take a moment and fill any further tidbits about
0: your life. Thanks very much. It all sounds um... Great. Well, the introduction is very kind. Yeah. Look. So, I guess um, I'm I'm a I'm a marketer. I come from a sales background and learned very early on that the best salespeople get the best leads. And you know, it was around the time when people were starting to use Google. So I learned how to hack my way to the top of Google, and I soon learned that hacking your way to success in marketing doesn't always work long term. And so I think one of the things that I've learned over my career is you got to be able to adapt. And, and at the moment, certainly for the last 10 years, but more so now more than ever, social media is where people's attention is. And, you know, we're at the point now where a lot of the big companies are following. In. And so with that shift it's more important for there to be experts on the front lines giving advice. And that's really where where my passion is and what I do you know i got i'm i'm so interested
1: in what you're doing and one of the reasons why is cuz i'm in some ways you could say i'm so not like you you know i use the same tools but not to 400 million <laughs> and yeah. in the sense that you know, also as an analyst and a a linear thinker and all that, I always, you know, kind of was brought up with the idea of hard work and do all this stuff. And I I said, marketing is just a side thing and, you know, all that. And "Ah, it's actually easy. Whenever I want to turn that on, I can. But what I learned as I set up my own business and I'm doing my own things over time is that it's 10 times harder than what I thought, you know, to actually to really truly, it's not, it's one thing to make a little buzz and all that, but to truly generate revenue from social media, from LinkedIn and those things, it's much harder than you think. And I'm just curious from your experience, when you think about a person like myself, and I know a lot of my listeners are like me, kind of structured thinking and all that, what advice would you give?
0: Well, look, I think to be successful, it's, there's two sides to that. I think, I think it is actually very simple. The The reason that you know, a lot of people struggle on social media and a lot of people that win. I think that solution is very easy to fix. And then there's just a lot of technical stuff because things are changing all the time. So, you know, you kind of need to be, keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening. Like, you know, what works on YouTube yesterday might not work today and all that kind of stuff. But from that perspective, from the macro perspective, the biggest thing with marketing and the way that it's heading at the moment is transparency. Like the, the value, sorry, the control is in the consumer consumer's hands. So the best marketing strategy and the best marketers are the people with empathy, so caring basically, is because the marketers that get it wrong or are finding finding it hard to master social media, generally thinking about how do I tell people what I want to tell them, you know, in the most effective way by using all the algorithm hacks, doing the right videos, whereas the question is wrong in the first place. The question should be what is it that my audience wants to hear from me what's going to add value to their lives and you know no matter how many hacks i teach the people that are focused on themselves and are impatient they you know if they can't grasp that part of it they're always going to come across like they're trying to do something to someone rather than trying to help someone with something and it's a very small difference but it will impact everything you do online
1: that's really fascinating and you know one of the best ways to think about that is think about a person that you've followed yourself And then one day their life kind of you know erupts and they've got problems and then they come on to their youtube or their podcast and they go you know i'm really been behind recently because i'm facing this challenge and here's how i'm trying to handle that and you know and when that the other side of them comes out it really makes a connection i mean yes there's some people that will just walk away and go what was that about you know just give me the content but Mm. there are a lot of listeners that that just takes you to the next level of connection
0: Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of bravery that goes into being vulnerable like that in times of challenge, because what a lot of people will do is they they go, oh, you know, I'm struggling at the moment. My business has lost all these customers because coronavirus or whatever. Oh, I've got a social media audience. Maybe I should just sell to all of them. And so they actually become less authentic and, and they come and go, if you want to be successful like me, you know, buy my stuff. And so they're less authentic and they, and they start to lose their audience. Whereas like you say, the guys that are vulnerable and say, "Do you know what? I'm going through this, this is this is how how my business is being affected. And you know I don't know, maybe I don't know the way out of it, you know, but I'm confident in my ability, this is a few things I'm going to try. That sort of level of communication and authenticity will you know work wonders for your brand, especially a personal mm-hmm. brand. I think companies can do it too, but it's a lot easier through a personal brand.
1: One of the things that I did with this podcast when we were going through the kind of the height of the corona crisis, was that I felt kind of bad bringing stories of loss to people in the middle of the, what could be their worst loss. And then I went out to my podcast guests, my former guests, and I asked them, I said, look, I'm gonna try to make a snippet show. And I wonder if you would just open up your iPhone, turn on the recorder and record three minutes of advice or guidance that you would give somebody you know, facing the challenges that we're all facing. And then I pulled each of those three minutes ones into, I did episode of three people, three minutes each. And then I kicked off the episode saying, you know, during this tough time, you know, let's listen to advice from some of these people about how they can handle it. I learned this and that. And then those episodes turned out to be pretty, you know, pretty good. Because when you talk about, you know, I'm writing down the words that you said, you said vulnerable, you said authentic, you said empathy, you know, we're all going through this life together. As, in fact, as I you know, teach in my class, one of my classes about valuation, and they say, well, how do I forecast the company's profit? How do I really, you know, what's the secret? And I said, you make it up. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what? No, 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 but you know, you've been an analyst for years. I said, we're all making it up in this life. Yeah. We're all making it up. So, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. all right, well, let's talk about empathy and vulnerability because yeah. now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since okay. no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story.
0: Well, look, I think I think that one that's probably gonna be beneficial to most people listening is, you know, I went to, so I, my family lived in Hong Kong and I'm from England originally. I went to boarding school in Australia when I was 10 and so, you know, see my family maybe, you know, five, six times a year, but but constantly trying to think of ways to get their attention, you know? It was very important to me what, especially my father thought about me, you know? And so a lot of what I did at university and very early on in my career was geared towards the opinions of other people. And, you know, the people I love very much, particularly my father, and, and I, I thought it was my responsibility to solve all of his problems you know, in business and stuff like that. And, you know, I went and, I went and worked with him in Phuket, actually, not too far from where you are, doing property development. And we were very successful in terms of sales and so on. And then of course, like dad just buys more problems, my buys more land, buys more developments. And cut a long story short, like, you know, and my dad's a fantastic businessman, but if you're basing what you do in life on other people's opinion of you, you will never actually be fulfilled. It does not actually matter too much what your friends and your parents think of you. And I just, I see so many people not doing what they want to do because of this very reason. And it took me like another year in working in this job that I hated in, in Hong Kong that, you know, I didn't really like very much. And then I, you know, tried a couple of other things. It, it took me probably about six or seven years to actually do something that I wanted to do. And when I started my company... No joke, most of my best friends and family, like I could not talk to them for six months because they literally didn't believe what I was doing. They thought I was making it up. They thought I was on drugs. They just, you know, thought I was crazy. And it's been the most rewarding thing I've ever done, you know. And I started my company with no money, no electricity, getting evicted from my apartment, just quit my job. So it's from a very, very much a place of desperation. And I think, you know, what you were saying before we hopped on the podcast about hard work, sometimes, you know, or quite often, actually, the, the things that we put the most effort into and come from a place of, of desperation could be the most rewarding things in life. I'm just so grateful that I get to do what I love every day and have an impact on on people. And I just wish that more people could have that. And I just think, you know, ignoring the opinions of others and listening to to this one is a key part of that. And, and so when I think it's great what you're doing, talking about, you know, worse investments and your losses, but I mean, uh, to me, like, you know, the ideal way to look at it is that there is no losses and there are only lessons. And, you know, I think you either win or learn. And that way, you know, mistakes are probably a good sign that you're trying hard enough, you know, and it leads you to the path to success.
1: Mm. And, you know, I was a person that was kind of brought up with the idea of getting approval and, you know, what could be called people pleasing or, you know, wanting people to like me and all that stuff. And, you know, there's good aspects to it, but there's other challenges to it. And when I think about the risks that it poses, you know, that you live your life for someone else. And like the worst case of that is simply that you, you leave this world having never really realized who you are, what you're doing, you know, like you just constantly, just you're a little bit of a zombie walking through this life. Yeah. just curious, when you started to realize that you had to move from a mindset of approval to a mindset of being yourself, was it scary? Was it easy? How did it, you know, what was that transition like? Was it fast? Was it took a while?
0: Well, I think because I had lost, well, I quit my job because I hadn't been paid in three months, I was in all this debt, you know. My electricity got cut out, and I was getting evicted. It was all happening at once, and you know, I called my parents, asked for help, and then it was like it was just for a couple of few reasons, like they wouldn't help me. So it was the first time in my life where I realized, shit, I'm on my own. Like here, what I'm like, who who else, is going to help me? And so you're sitting in this dark apartment. I, I got two extension cables connected them together so I could use the power socket in the stairwell of my apartment block. And I sat under a desk lamp and wrote my business plan because what happened is that feeling of desperation where it's like, well, you're on your own here. You're on your own here. And I've just, I, all of a sudden it was a very special moment. I felt this rush of energy and it became a very empowering thing. You know, you're on your own. Well, I'm, I was like, that's awesome because who else is better to help me than myself? So it became something that I became very motivated. I was very, I was just working all the time during that stage I probably wasn't very healthy and my relationships with my family and friends weren't that good at that time. But what happened is, you know, I roll into, you know, a year later, I roll into Christmas or I roll into a family function. I've got seven staff working for me. I'm making a big impact. And all of a sudden there's something that didn't happen before is i get respect, you know? So, you know, even though it might feel uncomfortable at the start and people will judge you, they, and people will resist you changing altogether. When you, when you succeed in that they will respect you like they never have before
1: it's interesting because you know in some ways you know it's it's a difficult one to to figure out because in life you know you don't want to live your life looking for approval but yet in the end you get respect which is a form of approval you know so it's like you never really completely get away from that we want to be seen as someone successful or someone that's good all right and. So let me ask you, I mean, first I'll I'll just talk about a couple of things that that you made me think of from this. And the first one is that, you know, I think the challenge in life is to be more of you. Yeah. You know, the challenge is not to be like someone else. The challenge is not to do like someone else. The challenge is just to be more of you because ultimately you are special. You are the only one and you are your uniqueness. Now, the other thing that it reminds me of is when I was – I had actually been in rehab when i was younger and i i graduated after three different rehabs and i was finally clean and this was a uh, 1993 and i graduated from high school i was in june 1983 and my mom said well you turn 18 in uh you know in a couple in a month and when you turn 18 you got to move out and i just thought whoa, 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 why wait a minute i just i just made it through all this and now and she's like nope you got to go out and do it on your own And I remember my dad taking me to the apartment that I got, which was just a room in a boarding house near a university. And, you know, that night, that first night, you know, I just got on my knees and cried. I was just like, man, I was scared. And I didn't have tools to deal with it. I mean, I was just barely out of rehab. I was a very big risk that I could go back and start using drugs or whatever else. You know, I had 12-step program as my guide, really, and the friends around me. But also I didn't have an education. You know, I didn't have money to go to university. And I knew at that moment that, you know, yeah, like you say, there comes a point in time where you realize only I can get myself out of this. And yeah. and then you start to throw yourself into it. And then I went, you know, different directions. But ultimately, I realized that I've got to get educated and I've got to figure out a way to do it. And there was a woman that walked that came along in my life that worked for the state government, and she came up with the idea of Getting me into university through a, a minor grant from the government, and I took that, and that was the beginning of my university education. And the last of my university education was when I was fifty, when I finished my PhD. So you know, we we suffer, and then we fight ourselves out, and it's through that fight that we create the great things. Anything you'd add?
0: I oh, just just congratulations. That's a fantastic yeah. story, and and you know, you know, going through something like that. It does give you the opportunity to get to know yourself on a, on a much deeper level. So yeah, well done. That's very, very inspiring. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that I took away from it too is that truthfully, I was really pretty happy. I like worked in a factory. I was clean and sober. I was hanging around people that were in 12-step programs and we were talking about, you know, how to stay off of drugs and how to stay out of that trouble. And, and I didn't have any money almost at all. And I was happy as a lark. And I always go back to that time and remember that things don't bring happiness. You know, what brings happiness is peace with yourself, good people around you. And you can make it through anything. You can make it through losing everything. You can make it through losing all the money that you have. You're going to have to go back to the absolute beginnings, but you have yourself, you have the good people around you, and you can make it. So that's always been an inspiration. And I know during these COVID times for the listeners out there that, you know, Take that as an inspiration. You can make it through this. So, based upon what you've learned from, from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate?
0: Okay, well, I think finding what you're passionate about is a good start. Because mainly because like if especially if you're a business owner, but I mean in anything in life, like if you want to be achieve a certain amount of success with it, you're going to run into some big challenges. And the problem is, if you're not passionate about it, you probably give up. And and the people that are passionate will will outwork you. So that that's the first thing. The the second thing is like it's quite especially if your business is struggling or you've lost some money recently or lost you know relationships, it's hard to focus on anything other than your own needs and and what you want. I've found that if my business is struggling, it's normally because I'm focusing on myself and what I want and being selfish. Like the secret to being good at business is adding more value. And I think that the secret to life is actually giving. Secret to living is giving. That's what Tony Robbins says. And I think that sometimes we just need to remind ourselves of that. And if you... If you make that shift and you just start adding value without expectation, in my experience, all the things that you need will get taken care of. The world will find a way to meet your human needs, whether it be your financial needs in your business or relationships or what have you, if you get out of your own head and focus on on giving and helping other people. I think that's a I think that's a big part of what you, you know, your story and the one I shared earlier. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm just really touched by that. And that really, it reminds me, I mean, the great thing about this podcast is that we share stories. So I have another story. It was 1998 and we'd just gone through the Asian financial crisis. My business that I started, Coffee Works with my best friend, Dale, was on its knees. We were just struggling. I'd lost my job as an investment banker. And my sister had called and said she had cancer and I got to come home and see her. And within one week after I got home to see her, she passed away she has three beautiful you know, daughters. And then I stayed there for a month. And then I came back to Thailand to severe depression, severe depression and no way out. Because when the, when the Asian financial crisis happened in 1998, the Thai economy contracted by 11%. And there just wasn't really much you could do except just sit there and not, you know, not, not drown. And then I remember being feeling pretty depressed about the business, about the conditions. And I know a lot of people feel that way right now. And then losing my sister, you know, it's just like, what's the point in life? What's the point? You know, why am I working so hard or why am I studying so hard? And I didn't know what to do, but I did something that that reminded me of by you talking about it. And that is somehow I found out about a, a rescue place for kids. And there was this guy that would go out, he and his wife would rescue kids that were in distressed situations, abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, and they needed volunteers. So I just decided that I would just show up there. And I showed up there and, you know, it's just tearful thinking about it. I was focused on myself and all the pain I was going through. And then I see these kids and I look at their stories of being raped and abused and, and just thrown away. And then I, get there and I start to play ball and all, all they really want to do is play anyways. So I thought, <laughs> I'm just gonna have fun here and play with these kids. And I was just throwing a ball back and forth with this kid. And then we were playing basketball with a bunch of the kids and they were just jumping around and so excited. I thought, you know, you have every right. This kid has every right to sit in a corner and be depressed for what the treatment that they have received from their parents or their friends or the people around them. And yet this kid just wants to play with this ball and go throw a ball with me. And I just thought how how can you not take inspiration from that and realize that my problems are small, my problems are mine and they feel big and they feel like that. But the reality is, is that if this kid can rise up in that situation, then damn it, I can too. And so you reminded me of that. And that story always inspires me, go out and help other people, like you said, and help other people. And it will take you out of the trouble that you face.
0: You know, you, know the, you know what the chat probability of us being born is? Like the probability of the sperm, meaning the egg, and all that sort of stuff, it's 400,000 to one. If you wake up in the morning, just remind yourself the fact that you're even here is a miracle. Like, no, yeah. you didn't have to do anything to earn this gift. Somebody loved you enough to give it to you. Your mother, your father came together and the universe, and now here you are. I mean, 400,000 to one. And and we just take it for granted like that you know it, yeah and for
1: one to get to birth yeah it's another you know <laughs> it's another you know infinite number of risks that we face to get to this age
0: you know so yeah we're all so lucky to be here you know Amen. Um, and yeah. I think with, with COVID, the best, the, I mean, no, it's, it may, I had a panic attack with it when I f- first realized that my family wouldn't be able to come visit me and stuff. Like I had this housewarming planned mm. and the day of the housewarming, it was one phone call after the other. Oh, no, we can't come, we can't come, we can't come. My little nephew has just been born, can't see him. So I had a bit of a panic attack and then I... Um, I connected with a guy called Dr. John D. Martini, who I'm, you know, follow a lot. And he, he said, there's only one thing you need to do. He said, get out a piece of paper and he goes, ask yourself a better question, write down 10 things that could answer it. And the question was, How is what is happening right now serving me specifically? You know, how is what happening right now serving me specifically? Because quite often we'll just like, you know, accentuate the, the negatives and and not look to the positives. It, The reality is that there's always both sides to every situation it's just whether or not you see the positives from it so this could be a good opportunity for you to to learn it could be an opportunity for you to work on your health it could be an opportunity for you actually to reconnect with family members that you haven't connected with or think about your career or you know so many different things that you know could be a benefit of coronavirus we just got to ask ourselves better questions
1: beautiful all right last question what's your number one goal for the next 12 months
0: So my number one goal for the next 12 months is to turn 36 years old. So I'm going to make this one easy to achieve.
1: (laughs) All right. Something tells me you, when 12 months from now, when I out to you, you're going to say,
0: I did it. Exactly. And we'll (laughs) celebrate.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep Mm -hmm. you winning. Remember to go to myworstinvestmentever.com slash academy to get access to my short course, Six Ways to Lose Your Money and six strategies <laughs> to win. Love it. As we end, Nathaniel, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And on thank behalf you. of ASTOts Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience?
0: No, just really appreciate you having me on and keep doing what you're doing. I love seeing people adding value. It's fantastic.
1: Fantastic. All right, well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our well Fellow risk takers, This is Andrew Stotz, your worst podcast host saying, I'll see you on the upside.